Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast more hit or miss than Ed Hickok's Strike Zone. My Ooh. name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hi, everybody. And this week, we have with us another fantastic guest, contributor at Birds on the Black, and co-host of our own podcast, Gateway to Baseball Heaven, Tara Nichols. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to have you with us. And uh, today we are going to be talking about the recent Cardinal surge, the first place Cardinals and the recent addition to the Cardinal rotation. Thank you to Cardinal70 from the Bird Scored for that opening joke. If you have an idea for an opening joke, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Tara, we're super excited to have you with us today. Um, you know, we I, I love your work and I love your uh, podcast, but unfortunately, we're about to waste several minutes of your time and your <laughs> life. So I just want to say thank you first before I redirect into just some a real nonsense that Ben and I have to address before we get to it. And frankly, it's embarrassing that you're with us when we're about <laughs> to talk about what we're about to talk about. Um, well, for what but, it's uh, worth, I, I love a little bit of nonsense. What is, <laughs> what is life without some nonsense, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you're if you're just catching the show for the first time, um, Ben and I spent the weekend together at sort of a, a friend trip and None of us can remember when this actually happened, when the bet was put down. But Ben bet me that he could uh, smash a watermelon in between his thighs. Yep. Just lay on the ground and smash a watermelon. Mm -hmm. I did not think he would be capable of doing this. Uh, and so we set a date. We set a time when he would attempt this. And, you know, I have to say, I'm here. Let me be the first to say, please. And I am sorry. Yes. He he did it with ease. With ease. That it was, should be it. clear. However, <laughs> this was not without controversy. Okay. So we bought the water. Been shaking his head. I, I'm fired up right now. But continue, <laughs> please. We bought the watermelons on Friday in order At your to, grocery store yep. that you recommended. I'd yep. like to be clear. Yeah, but well, we'll get to it. So you bought them. We bought them on Friday and the <laughs> uh, the the smashing was to happen on Saturday. We got mm -hmm. two because the idea was Ben will do one or fail to do one. And then sure. there'll be another one for us to actually eat because no one wants to eat a thigh covered watermelon or someone else might want to try it. And uh so we we get down. We're going down to the Lake of the Ozarks. Friday, uh, while we're all a bunch of us are in the kitchen, watermelons are on the counter. Out of nowhere, we start hearing a like fizzing, uh, sort of like releasing of air sound. Yeah. Before suddenly, one of the watermelons just sitting on the counter, essentially explodes. Now that's probably too big of a word for it because it's not like it went like it popped. It, it maybe popped. Yes, it popped. A part of and it. I was outside. Up. Right. Likely story. So one of the watermelons self imploded. So 
we all believe that Ben pulled off some sort of watermelon alchemy here where he he injected it with something. I don't know, something to loosen up its inner wall that uh, I know watermelon. Uh, <laughs> rind. It's called a rind. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we know you we know you know that because how yeah. who knows how much research you had to do in order to uh, pull of this course. pull this of off. Course. But his calculations were off. And it imploded the day before it was supposed to. Yes. Um, and I don't know. Maybe he did that. He he corrected his mistake and introduced whatever foreign element he had. Or we've been calling it inflate gate because <laughs> it might have inflated the watermelon a little bit. Anyway, you did it, Ben. You did it with, with ease. It, you cut right through it. Everyone was impressed. But... I don't know. I think we. I think we need a do over because there's. Th- this is suspect. Honestly, I, w- I was talking about this with Mary when we were coming home the other day. Um, I give me another one. I'm fine. <laughs> any watermelon, anytime. That is how confident I feel. After I mean, I, like you said, I, I cut through it like a knife through butter. Uh, I felt very confident. And maybe these St. Louis watermelons are sp- suspect. Maybe it's St. Louis's own fault or your fault specifically. But uh, bring it <laughs> is really all I have to say to that. All right. Well, to be continued, we've wasted enough of Tara's time. <laughs> so, um, but I know people needed to hear how that wrapped up. And um, Ben, your witchcraft, we we were on to it. Okay. So anyway, uh, I, I here we are. Thank you for the compliment, Nate. <laughs> anyway, here we are. It is August 9th and the Cardinals are in first place. It's been a challenging to say the least couple months uh for the cardinals and and being a cardinal fan but we're here into the back quarter or back third of the season in first place by a couple games it's all in the past we're ready for the end we're ready for an exciting last couple months but how did we get here how did we go what felt so quickly from the season is done sell everybody to now suddenly we're a couple games ahead so uh, Tara, I'd like I'd, I'd be interested to hear just from your perspective. You know what what what's happened recently? Where's this surge coming from? Well, it's certainly interesting to see how different the tone is around the team and the players and even the front office. Much less yeah. of us who you know make a hobby of talking <laughs> about the things that we can only observe from the outside, right? Um, but it's interesting this season in particular, I've actually not been as available to invest every moment, uh, invest in every moment of every game like I have in years past. And the perspective from a little bit further d- removed is very interesting because you yeah. don't ride the waves quite as um outrageously (laughs) yeah probably uh, good for your mental health right you know i wouldn't i would not say that it's been bad for my mental health to to let up a little bit on the the chaos but no i only say that to say that that in years past i've watched myself kind of swing that pendulum from everything's great they're gonna win the world series to everyone is awful get rid of all of them and then back (laughs) again in a matter of weeks right and I think this time around, it's been interesting to see them this season at times feel a lot like they did last year and at times feel like, wait a second. I mean, they there's a lot that could be good, 
And mm-hmm. then for most of the season, feel like, how are we still not dealing with these glaring issues in the pitching staff uh, and just hoping that someone from Memphis is going to fill it in and be fine? Um, so the last week has felt in some ways like the 17-game win streak last year did, where you're like, this is cool. I don't know if I believe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I don't know which version of this is the one that can be sustained most significantly. Now, I do think that coming off of the trade deadline, um, you know, I talked about this with Shapta just a couple of days ago, not the most awe-inspiring <laughs> trade deadline <laughs> in terms of things that maybe upgraded the Cardinals more than marginally, but it did sort of stabilize some of the things that were causing a bit of a crater and coincided with the Brewers just deciding they didn't like being in first place anymore. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess is the the long the short answer to a, a long winded um, monologue here because <laughs> I don't know which version of this team to believe in entirely, but I do think that contrary to the seventeen game win streak last year, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado have been good all year. That's not really coming out of nowhere. Right. Um, stabilizing some of the pitching may help. And maybe that leads you to the place where you can see this team settle into a little bit more of what it should be based on potential. Um, but I mean, sweeping the Yankees gives you all sorts of false hope for sure. <laughs> Yeah, doing a weekly show, it's really hard not to ride every single <laughs> yeah. up and down as if it's the the end of the world or the greatest week of our lives. And, uh, you know, we've been pretty down for the last several weeks. And, and you know, now they're on a seven-game winning streak. It's, it's hard not to immediately switch to you know, jubilation. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely a, a degree of the Brewers trading their star closer and then the bullpen collapsing, which we talked about, uh, you know, potentially happening last week. Um, but yeah, I think your point too, about, um, you know, a seven game, a seven game win streak is very different than a 17 game win streak, of course. Uh, but also Arenado and Goldschmidt, both MVP candidates this year. And all we, you could just see all year, all we needed was some sort of supporting staff for this team to be successful. And it's, rarely been there so now with um some stabilization and uh, stabilization stabilization in the rotation uh say that uh five times fast um yeah it feels like while this isn't sustainable in you know from a win streak standpoint like maybe this is the cardinals that we thought we were going to have or maybe the cardinals that looked like we had like early in the season uh ben what do you think well, yeah, I think it's. I, I think that's all very interesting. I, I think the one thing to like, especially when comparing, because yeah, we're in a similar time when the seventeen game win streak happened last year, and the teams may be surging, and that's maybe even a calling card of the Cardinals teams over the past five years is that their second half teams with Schilt and now with Ali Marmol, and I guess maybe a little bit with Matheny. But I think the thing that sticks out to me the most different about this team as compared to teams in the past is the offense is legitimately good this year. Um, definitely driven by the two MVP MVP candidates that you both just referenced, but the surrounding team is also really good. Not to mention in this little surge or in this little time that we're all feeling really, really good about being Cardinals fans, Lars has come to life. 
Uh, Corey Dickerson is a baseball player uh, that has we value. We have always loved Corey Dickerson on this show. <laughs> yeah. Just like always every other Cardinal fan, we've yeah. always been by his side. Never doubted for a second. <laughs> Never. Never doubted him. <laughs> Tommy Edmond is still playing great defense, but his bat has kind of disappeared over the past, what, like month or so? Um, But Donovan has come back on like kind of the whole team is clicking. The only thing that I would really worry about with these additions and the way they're playing right now, this might be the best version of this Cardinals team with the offense rolling. We have the stability. Helsley is still a relief God right now. He is he is one tick below Edwin Diaz uh, this season, which is the highest compliment. Um, so I would, that's kind of my perspective is everything is actually kind of clicking there there. You could nitpick absolutely. Um, but it's all kind of flowing the right way. And I think, unfortunately, that's probably the only way you really beat the Yankees this year is if everything is kind of working together, but that's kind of what I'm seeing right now. And if you don't play, uh, in a ballpark with a short porch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't it like a carpenter? There was like two of, uh, Oh, by the way, shout out Matt Carpenter. So happy to see his uh, lovely mustache, but I think I saw it was like sad to see his. Yeah. 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 It's such a bummer. What a, what a, you know, coming into the ballpark looking like Luigi, everyone's loving him. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, the next day or, you know, a day after he breaks his foot. It's a huge, at least that didn't happen in St. Louis, right? Yeah. That would have been a buzzkill. It's not our fault at the very least. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he would have. I think what you're going to say, Ben, but I'll be the one to say it is that uh, two of his fly balls in St. Louis would have been home runs in Yankee Stadium. So that's a pretty big difference. I found myself watching those games and, you know, especially the the St. Louis home announcers building up the Matt Carpenter return every at bat mm-hmm. and Matt Carpenter steps to the plate with a chance to every time I was like, yeah, but he's not playing in Yankee stadium. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. fly ball's not going out here. We know right. this. Yeah. We've seen it over and over again. So it was slightly less scary than maybe it would have been <laughs> yeah. if the park factor wasn't a thing. Yeah. We're like, we know what Matt Carpenter's <laughs> looked like. For the, like he's yeah. definitely better this year. He's different. Right. He's made totally. some adjustments, but he's not. Yankee Stadium is is his best friend right now. Yes, well, you exactly. go look at Anthony Rizzo's stat line. And it's the exact same thing. He's hitting like two thirty three with a low Babbitt, but he just he walks enough and hits the ball over that short porch enough to be a really good baseball player in that one stadium. Yeah, I, I did see it's a your crazy home stadium, man. You can yeah. you can ride that wave. <laughs> yeah, Which, I saw a stat the other day that was uh, it was like minimum one hundred and fifty plate appearances, so pretty low, but. Uh, What's the the highest OPS in Yankees history? And the only person higher than Matt Carpenter was Babe Ruth. <laughs> so, wow. Yankee legend, right. Matt Carpenter. It might be the best for him that he's probably going to miss the rest of the season. He just comes in, you know, sets a ton of Yankee records. Yep. Look and fly. And then he's done. But this means that Cardinals fans are going to be clutching their pearls all offseason long. Are the Cardinals going to extend a one-year deal to <laughs> Matt Carpenter to start his DH? And we're all going to say, no, we love he's you. Gotta Just re- stop. <laughs> he's got to retire. Who's going to fill the uh, upper Pujols hole after uh, after he's gone? Anyone? I don't know. Corey Dickerson. Corey Dickerson. I'll take some more Corey Dickerson. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, so there's obviously a lot of things coming together. We, we haven't talked about, I think two parts of it too. First of all, uh, Yachty's been back. Like the day he got back is the start of the, the win streak. 
Uh, so instead of kicking basketballs down in Puerto Rico, he's here <laughs> with the team. And then um, I think, you know, he's doing what he, he normally does. Uh, but the bigger storyline has been uh, Paul DeYoung's return. Uh, I mean, hard to have asked for a more dramatic return from a, from anyone than than what we saw out of, out of Paul, especially in the Yankees series. Um, Tara, I mean, have you noticed anything different in these in this week? If you're able to watch his at bats compared to what we saw before he left, yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, I don't think it was hard. Well, may, I, I'm speaking for myself. I don't speak for everyone, but it was hard to, um, you know, not be impressed by some success from Paul DeYoung because I don't mean this to sound like a, a terrible crit- critique, but I don't know that I was expecting it. I don't know right. that I really had high expectations of his contributions immediately in a way that made us all go, wait a second. Right. (laughs) Could this work? Could this actually work? Um, Because it just, it's been such a a long time since we saw that from him in a way that made us believe it was more than, okay, he had one, one good at bat, one good day. Right. Um, But yes, I do think he looked different. I think the, first of all, the body language is completely different. And, I've said this before about about Paul DeYoung. We all know he's a really smart guy. I think he might be too smart for baseball. Yeah. I, it's almost like when he's struggling, you can see the the gears grinding to a point where it's like you know, it's like that gif where all the numbers are floating around. Like <laughs> I feel like that's what's happening in Paul DeYoung's head when he's trying to, you know, fix a mistake or, or figure out a swing or get his timing right. It's almost like he's just he's capable of handling so much information in his normal life that he tries to do that with baseball and it gets in the way. So I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure there's way more to it in terms of what he kind of reconstructed or took away and added when he had time to focus on it at Memphis, but he just looks like he's not overthinking it right now. And almost like he's doing what gave him success in the first place when he first came up to St. Louis and opened everyone's eyes to the possibilities of Paul DeYoung. So yeah. I, I don't, I haven't spent a lot of time, you know, very small sample size looking at the numbers to see what's different exactly, but he looks like a totally different player in the sense that he looks like the guy he was a couple of years ago when we all felt really good about Paul DeYoung coming up to the plate with runners in scoring position and the game on the line. Yeah, yeah, I think like we absolutely knew or, or I felt very confident that shipping Sosa out and having Paul E.D. back in, we weren't going to lose anything on defense. I, I assumed that that was just going to come up. And Paul's been a phenomenal defender, which also kind of boggles the mind because he just doesn't it doesn't look like it. We watch it every day and he just like kind of gets there and kind of makes the throw. And it's, it's like your just uncle all- who plays slow pitch softball, but suddenly, you know, it's just better than everybody. He he just kind of gets there and he kind of just does everything. And yeah, I think mm-hmm. I, I think Tara's right on. It's like early in the season and some last year. And I mean, this has just happened throughout watching the Cardinals baseball over the last few years, swinging through fastballs down the middle, missing, hanging, breaking balls, just looking like he is the, the analysis paralysis or looking for the perfect pitch or whatever it is. I do think that he's one of those guys that is not like a naturally gifted hitter, not like a, uh, Paul, Paul Goldschmidt just looks like a person who could wake up out of bed and hit a home run every single day. Right. Um, and, and Paul DeYoung is a, a tinkerer. He's a guy that's going to be working on this, working on that. Um, and, and so I think that that's right on what I think that is really interesting and the full caveat that 
uh, what is it's he's been back for eight games and <laughs> yeah. uh, had very little plate appearances. But in August, six games, six walks, six strikeouts. That is a difference. And I don't know if it's because people are like, oh, crap, Paul's uh, actually hitting the ballpark, uh, the ball out of the ballpark again. We need to pitch around him and not give him just meatballs or if it's his eye or if it's a combination of things or if it's just random acts cluster randomly. But I think that like that's, you know, walks are one of those things that stabilize fairly quickly. I want to kind of we'll, we'll talk about that now and then maybe revisit that in a couple of weeks and see if that's actually still happening. But, you know, if he can get on base at any clip that's respectable, play shortstop like he is and hit the ball over the wall. Like I, I I just want it so bad, but we've all been burned so many times. I don't (laughs) know how to feel right now. So I'll just worlds word salad that and stop talking now. Well, he did say in an interview after one of the games that earlier in the season, he was dreading going to the plate with runners on. He felt like here comes another moment where I'm going to mess this up. Uh, yeah, not a good headspace to be in. You know, I think sometimes, you know, we on the outside overplay narratives. Uh, but when the guy himself is saying, I was not looking forward to that at bat, uh, you have to imagine that that's going to have an impact on the field. Well, and I, I think, too, maybe we don't as often give enough uh, credit to how much a player struggling can kind of complicate the, mm-hmm. the solution right i mean these these guys are are human <laughs> and yeah. i mean if i in my job failed as much as you fail in baseball um and then to do it at the highest level when everyone's counting on you to do something else and to do it repeatedly and then to kind of feel like you're getting in your own way i mean it can just compound those problems so intensely um, that, you know, a lot of times it's, we maybe from the outside want it to be a simpler solution than it is. Yeah. Maybe it's just mechanics. Maybe you just get in the batting cage and, and figure it out. Right. But if it's something like that, where, you know, it's, it's created this mental block where every time you have the opportunity to do something different, all of a sudden you're tripping over yourself to yeah. get out of your own way. And, you know, yeah, there's there's a physical skill set. There's a you know we want to talk about the mindset of athletes, but that constancy of failure that is so present in baseball is I mean, yeah. I, I have spent a lot of time working with with minor league teams, and um, one of the things that is always said in talking to minor league coaches, minor league field staff, is that you you have to teach these young guys who've had success at every other stage of their career, right? Every other stage of their childhood, all the way up until they became professionals to learn how to fail effectively. Right. Um, So, you know, it's just interesting when you hear a comment like that from someone who has had so much success and to know that he can still end up feeling that way in his own head and in his own, you know, process of how to get through it or not get through it. It just, you know, it really, I think emphasizes the pressure that can come from, the expectations yeah. in this game. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, there's a reason why a lot of teams throughout prof- professional sports have sports psychologists yeah. on staff with the players all the time. Um, and, and I really, really, really hope it didn't get this bad for Paulie D. But, you know, all that information coming out about Joey Gallo in New York recently and kind of the interviews that he was giving before he got traded to L.A., talking about how he didn't even want to leave his apartment to go walk on the street. 
how how on earth are you going to go perform in front of 40,000 New Yorkers every night if you don't even feel comfortable going to the grocery store? I, I think there's absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that well, that is super valid. I think, you know, uh, yeah, here sometimes people are wa- watching uh, baseball or football or whatever, and they'll be like, you know, if I failed at my job. 60% of the time I'd lose my job or whatever. And it's yeah. like, yeah, but it also isn't someone else's job to stop you from doing your job. Like <laughs> right. it is in sports, you know? So like it's, yeah, if you're not locked in, uh, the guy you're playing probably is, and that just compounds the advantage. And it, I, it I think I'm going to do a career change and start actively working against you in your line of work. <laughs> I think that's what you're doing by being my co-host on this podcast. <laughs> the real world equivalent of just a, a tall dude who blocks shots all the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've thought about that. Like if you're an accountant, what if there was someone else whose job was just to bust in and rip up all your papers like yeah. whenever he could and or party you're writing down a number? They're just like eight. Yes. One. So go in and change one number on every yeah. line. I don't know why it's wrong. I, yeah, what's yeah? <laughs> Looks like I just did my job. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's move on a little bit. I want to talk about um, you know talk about small sample sizes. This is incredibly small sample sizes. But how are you both feeling about Quintana and Montgomery? We got one star out of each of them. Um, you know, any immediate takeaways from from their starts? I feel better about their single starts than about the Frankie Montas single start for the Yankees. <laughs> um, so as much as you can take away from that start, I guess that's what yeah. I take away from the other two. Um, no, you know, I think there's been a lot of comparisons made to the moves last year for Jay Happ um, and, you know, the, the trade deadline moves there, um, Lester. But while I understand the comparison in the sense that these are not moves that upgraded the rotation necessarily but they did stabilize some of the the problems that were there they filled holes i guess i do think these two are uh more significant moves in that the the uh ceiling is a bit higher for the success that they can have quintana is interesting because i don't know that he's necessarily a guy i expect to go deep into games which doesn't necessarily solve a lot of problems. Um, but if he has more success in these shorter outings than, than we have seen from some of the other guys filling that spot, then sure, that can be very effective. Also, it comes with the territory that he's a guy who's had success in the past. So the experience factor plays in. And I I see him as the kind of, of competitor who's going to appreciate being in the race. And, yeah. you know, that might impact just that... Um, just that little bit of an extra gear that he has from the the experience over the years. Um, the Montgomery Montgomery thing is is interesting. One because I certainly did not see the Harrison Bader trade coming. Um, right. As much as the organization has invested in Harrison Bader, the face of the St. Louis Cardinals. Right. Bader didn't tots. really see that one coming. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> He's everywhere. Um, but I'm I'm intrigued by it. Um, you know, I I know that maybe the numbers aren't the most impressive thing, but I see him as a guy that may have more success 
um, because of the change, even though he didn't want to be traded, apparently, and was quite <laughs> happy with uh, with his life in New York. I'm sure um, he was. You're on the best team in baseball, and <laughs> yeah. you're like the fifth starter, so yeah. least right. pressure of anyone. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But you know, it's I I see this as a really solid opportunity for him to maybe. Um, show uh, what he is capable of on a, a in a, a change of scenery and, and with a different team behind him and ground ball pitcher that's going to work pretty well in St. Louis, even yep. in the absence of Harrison Bader, who um, not necessarily for the sake of ground balls, but just defense in general. Uh, so I like I- I'm. I-, I had a hard time putting into words my actual opinion of the trade deadline moves because it was kind of like not overwhelmed by anything, but also not mad about it. So I think what we saw from them in their first outings was very promising. Um, and, I, you know, like I said, as much as you can take yeah. away from the Montas start where he imploded, I think that's what you take away from the good starts <laughs> from uh, the other two for the Cardinals. But, hey, I'd rather it start that way than the other way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Your your point on Quintana is interesting, too, because, you know, while you're right, while he might not go deep into the game, it's still extends the bullpen in a way where now Palante or Hicks, you know, who might've been pitching innings one through four and then four through six. Now they can come in and all of a sudden our long man relief looks way better when, instead of having Palante actually be the starter. Um, so hopefully they can sort of build off of each other. Ben, how are you feeling? Yeah, I, I think I, I think I agree with everything Tara just said. I think uh, you know what is it? It's a, they've provided eleven innings, one earned run over their first two starts. That's something the Cardinals need. I, and I, I think like I, I think the way you were kind of talking around it, and and uh, while while maybe not enthused, I, I think part of the reason, at least that I felt like I wasn't super enthused about the move, was because I don't know if the Cardinals had any other choice than to make those moves, or else we would be watching a team that is slowly catching on fire from within within itself like we you know i think libertor there there's gas in the tank something will happen there um you know maybe palante had more starts in him but as nate was just talking about and you guys were, were just hitting on the idea of palante backing up a quintana start i think makes a lot of sense in lengthening that bullpen and i have you know there there are a lot of reasons i think to be very excited about jordan montgomery I think one thing that we should all be very excited about is the fact that he's going to be a Cardinal all of next year. Um, and he has been healthy. He's been reliable. He pitched in a, we are just making fun of how tiny Yankee stadium is and how, I mean, <laughs> all of the stadiums in the AL East, arguably the hardest uh, uh, division to pitch in. So I think bringing him out of there, tapping into more of what he's got, getting him into the system and, uh, you know, the I wouldn't say the NL Central is feckless, but maybe can compared to the AL East it is. So I, I think it's only good things. And I I'm very excited about him. Um and it weird Nate and I were kind of joking about this on last week's episode. I would not be surprised. It'd be the most mosaic mosaic move to lock up Quintana for another year or two after this season just because you know he's in the organization. He wants to win. We know him, blah, blah, blah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see both of these guys back next year or, or years after that. And because um, Mo is really good at getting star players four years after their star players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you called him and you mold. said two two years, 22 million was your prediction for the I, yeah. Quintana, uh the Quintana deal. So uh yeah, I I, I feel the same way. Um I, I think I wonder how this trade deadline would feel if there wasn't the like 
looming insanity that was the Juan Soto trade, you know, like, because this was arguably the most impactful trade deadline the Cardinals have had in like five years, Uh, trading for two starting pitchers, not trading like scrap pile uh, people for other scrap pile people. But these guys were actually starting on other teams. So I I don't know. I still wish I I think that if Juan Soto wasn't happening and and the 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 normalcy was brought to the trading deadline really think some type of catching help would have been great austin allen is definitely a human being that plays baseball at the catcher position but something that could have been a bit more of a tandem with yadi even if it's a rental i think really would have helped this team out and i I still wish that that could happen i guess Maybe there's a, maybe Contreras could still be moved, although that happening in the waiver wire and, and with the Cubs, that all seems happen. really, really complicated. And I don't think that'll actually happen, but I don't know. I, I still wish that that would have been upgraded. Yeah. And I think my line of thinking when I've said I don't really know how to say I feel about the trade deadline is because. You know, when you look at one possible option as the shiny object of Juan Soto, and then you look at the alternative and it's like two back end of the rotation starters. Okay. (laughs) But I think only in if you're making the comparison that, hey, if it's not Juan Soto, then you get the Juan Soto comparable starting pitcher. Right. And that guy wasn't out there for the Cardinals to go get at the trade deadline. So that's why in my mind, it's kind of like. I don't feel like they missed on the huge starting pitching upgrade that would have been as big of an organizational move as Juan Soto, right? Because that guy wasn't there. So instead, they did things that were available to them that didn't then cost them more than was necessary for a a reasonable upgrade, but not an outstanding one. And so it's kind of like, sure, it would have been fun for them to do something that was a bit more off uh, off the beaten path, I guess, <laughs> in some sort of making a big splash. But I don't think that move on the pitching side of things was there. And the only move to me that made a lot of sense to go all in on was something like Juan Soto. So right. only one team was going to get him. So if you don't do that, you don't need to go make a splash with something else that doesn't also help you at all. <laughs> right. And, and I think you you see the price of how much it, it took the Mariners to get Castillo. And right. I would love to know, I'd love Mo to tell us how much the Marlins were asking for Pablo Lopez, who is still like you're talking, even those two guys, very good pitchers, nowhere close to the impact that Soto. Uh, so yeah, I'd be, be curious to know, but I, I yeah, I, I think we're in agreement. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, the the last guy, you know, even smaller sample size, but um, just touch on Chris Stratton uh, real quick. Seems like he's fit well into the bullpen. Um, you know, I think, again, low bar to uh, jump over for <laughs> yeah. increasing the effectiveness of the bullpen. Um, but that, to me, did put that trade over the top and saying, like, absolutely, it was worth it. We both liked Oviedo, and Nunez will probably be good, but he's so far away. So. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, the the trade deadline was exactly what we should have all seen it, uh, it seen it to be. It's exactly as incredible. Other than the the fact that Bader was traded, this trade li- deadline was was incredibly predictable. Yeah, yeah, I share the shock on that one still. Yeah, I mean, I I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I yes. think they'll be fine, but it was certainly not 
on my radar is how, how about a just a straight up swap for Harrison Bader anyway? Yeah, and, <laughs> and also and <laughs> at the time at the at the deadline, like you know, right? <laughs> you yeah. trade a guy whose whole game is based on his legs with a foot injury. Like I, I just it's surprising. It's very surprising. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very. It's always satisfying when a trade happens and you go and look at the other teams like social media or whatever, and everyone's pissed. Yeah. You're like, all right. <laughs> Right. You know, we'll none, never know how this will work out. But. None more so than Brewers fans, though. Let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> when, yeah. when your front office has to make a statement to be like, listen, I know. I get it. Yeah. It looks bad, but yeah. just trust us. And then you lose. <laughs> you lose like five of your next six games almost exclusively because of, yeah, <laughs> of your bullpen. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Big oof on that one. Mm-hmm. Um so I think we all could uh, make fun of the Brewers and talk about the boring trade deadline for for hours, if not days or weeks. But um, I think you know we should probably move on. And, and Tara, while we've got you with us, we we wanted to uh, play a little game. We know we do this at the end of episodes um, where uh, I force Ben into really stupid, challenging games. And we've had some good success with our previous guests, meaning that they basically smoked Ben. <laughs> um, and not to set you up or anything, but mostly Perfect. to make sure that the bar is, you understand how low the bar is. Um, and so this is actually a game that we played uh, with Daniel when he was on. Uh, it's a game that we call, What Did He Do? What Did He Do? Okay, so here's how this game works. I have collected uh, um, several individual stats for for various players that have been members of the Cardinals. I'm going to say their name, and I'm going to say what stat. uh, I'm going to name a stat, and then you will guess the uh like the the number that i'm saying like if i said how many home runs did mark mcguire hit in his record setting season whoever goes first would make a guess and then whoever goes second would make a guess and whoever's closest without going over prices right rules will win but i've chosen hopefully just ridiculous stats i don't think any of <laughs> okay. you will actually know um but maybe you might know some of them uh so uh tara you this. You are our guest. Do you want to go first or do you want Ben to go first? You're both going to guess on everything, okay. but um, do I you will, want to be- I will let Ben go first. All right. And, and uh, make sure, I know you just said this, but price is right rules, right? Yes. yes. Okay. All right. All right. Which, um, maybe I, I have an issue with that, but you know, it's your game, whatever. <laughs> I don't know why we all, like as a, as a society, have just aligned on Price is Right rules being the way that you do any number game. But I think it adds an element. You know, yeah. you, you're trying to, you know, you don't That's have to be right. It's actually a really interesting question, though. Like, do, does, do the makers of the Price is Right realize the impact they have had on how no. everyone <laughs> in perpetuity plays games? <laughs> just, <Yeah. laughs> I don't know, but it's smart because even if you don't know the answer, you just are trying to react off of the other person's answer, True. right? True. <laughs> All right. This first one, I actually uh, is maybe the most real baseball stat or most interesting one that I have on here. Um, I so did you know that Tyler O'Neill has the single season record for the St. Louis Cardinals of strikeouts? Huh. And it was actually last year. Really? 
I would have guessed Matt Reynolds or Troy Gloss or, but okay. So <laughs> there's so ben, many other options. Yeah, I know. <laughs> ben, how many strikeouts did Tyler O'Neill have last season year? record? Okay. Let's just last year. I feel like this should be a slam dunk, but um, I'm going to go. Mm, I can't, I don't think he broke 200. Maybe he did. Oh, goodness. Um, I'm, I'm going to guess 181. I'll lock it in. 181. All right, Tara. I was thinking closer to, to 190. I'll go 189. Oh, okay. I hope it's in between. <laughs> <laughs> well, you both went over. It's 168. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not even close. That's okay. the single season record, eh? <laughs> According to baseball right. reference. I'm shocked by that. I, guess I don't know what none of those other guys got enough um, like plate appearances. Right. And, sure. you know, the game was just different when Troy Gloss was around. Gor- Gorman might break that next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Matt Holiday. Fan favorite. Okay. Yes. We love Matt love Holiday. Him. Big forearms. Yeah. Everyone loves that. Big forearms. <laughs> Hits the ball hard. Yep. Sometimes he hit the ball straight down. In fact, he has a single season record for most uh, ground ball double plays. Really? <laughs> okay. Tara, how many did he have in a single season? I'm legitimately trying to think how many is like normal for one yeah, person I, in a yeah, season. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no basis for this for this answer. Don't worry. But I would. Yeah. I also feel like I recall many, many for Matt Holiday. Mm-hmm. Although I almost feel surprised that it's not like maybe it is close to to a Yadier Molina number, but um, Matt Holiday probably made more contact. Uh, let's say. In a single season, uh, 22 seems like a number. <laughs> uh, and for the record, Yachty has the all time lead ah, for Cardinals, sure, sure. And I and I, I don't think it's very close. Uh, so you were right in your thinking there. <laughs> um, but single season, yeah, all right. Okay. What did you say, 22? 22. No. All right, Ben, I think it's going to be higher than that. Uh, I know Albert is the all time leader, all time baseball leader. Um, but that doesn't really help me in this situation. Um, those angel years were rough. <laughs> yes, they were. Um, he also had leg issues those years, so yeah, <laughs> doesn't help. I am going to say Tara said twenty-two. I'm going to say, oof. I'm going to I'm going to say thirty-two. I'm going to just put put ten on top of that. Ben, your issues with the uh, oh my Price is right rules are really going to be compounded in this moment. So he had 31. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a point for Tara. This is insane. (laughs) We're talking about this off pod. This is ridiculous. (laughs) All right. Wow. I think Tara set me up for failure somehow. It's, it's somehow not my fault. <laughs> yeah, keep telling yourself that. All yeah. right, Ben. Mm-hmm. In 1888. I remember it well. Yeah. A man named Silver King 
which is a great name. Incredible. Quite a name. Set the record for most pitching wins in a season. How many wins did Silver King have? I know this is going to be a stupid number because they would just (laughs) throw the same guy out every day. Uh, I'm going to say this feels like something I feel like baseball people should know because it feels like a good piece. Okay. Anyways, um, I'm going to say 41. 41. All right. Tara. And he started like 60 games that year or something <laughs> stupid like that. <laughs> um, okay. A mere 100 years um, before my time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, many things about baseball were probably different in those days. <laughs> and they probably weren't talking about pitchers' wins. Yeah. Remotely like we do. For better or worse. Um, all right. 41. That's what we're working with. Yeah, here? Yes. that was Ben's guess. Okay, I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say 38. <laughs> All right, uh, in 1888, Silver King had 45 wins. Ah, so Ben, nice. Ben, you're gonna done. take Let's this one. Let's go. 45. Wow. That do feels you know like a game. He started. Yeah. Uh, no, but I can find. I, I do think it was somewhere in the 60s or wow. something like that. It might have even been more. This. This early, teams would have like one or two pitchers because they weren't pitching. They were, it was like soft, you know, soft right. toss, basically. Yeah. It's like batting practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, uh, I looked wins. it up. Right. He had 64 games started and 64 complete games that year. <laughs> 584 innings pitched. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> they don't make them like that anymore. No. Nope. Sure don't. <laughs> <laughs> that is All a right. quality back in my day. Kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, 1968 was a huge year for Bob Gibson. Uh, he set a number of records that year. Uh, for the Cardinals, he set the record for most shutouts in a single season. Tara, how many shutouts did he throw? With Bob Gibson, it's probably like all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How many shutouts? I feel like this is, again, where like the number is probably outrageous because that's how pitching was then, especially for Bob Gibson. But shutouts, let's say... Go, going back to the uh, the previously used number of 22. <laughs> nice. Right. Okay. Ben. I am going to play the game, and I'm going to say $1, Bob. I think she <laughs> went over. <laughs> you son of all right, Ben. It worked this time. Yes. The game, the game giveth <laughs> and the game taketh away. So, um. <laughs> cop out but it works uh 13 13 shutouts all right so i was giving rob gibson too much credit for once yeah <laughs> that's still like probably 50 percent of his starts or uh, maybe a little yes. under that yeah <laughs> all right uh ben is currently winning two to one yes uh ben is happy right now because he doesn't know what it's like to win so um <laughs> he's feeling good thanks nate <laughs> all right uh we mentioned this one earlier so this is we're now going to go into some all-time stats. Uh, Yachty 
has the all-time record for St. Louis Cardinals and ground uh, and grounding into double plays. Uh, how many does he have? Ben, oh, you are up first. Jeez, uh, a ton. Um, I'm going to say f- 378. Grounded 378 and I, I'm right. going to get I'm going to say that's right on it. I got it directly. You got it in one. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, hmm. I will say. Three hundred. And eighty five. You're both over. Really? Yeah. 283. Wow. Only off by 100. <laughs> Only off by 100. <laughs> He's Sorry, played for a thousand years. That <laughs> was, was my thought. It was like, it's yeah. just a time thing with him. Yeah. Come on now. No. Nope. I would have also, yeah, I never, I don't know any of these stats. He's I played for a thousand years. <laughs> and I feel like he's been the slowest player in baseball for all of those years. Yeah. But. All right. I get to pretend like I know what I'm talking about because I ask the questions and don't have to answer them, but I also would have been guessing in the 300s. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we talked about him earlier. I had to throw him into the game. Matt Carpenter, known for his great eye. And despite that, or maybe because of it, he is eighth all time in hit by pitches for the St. Louis Cardinals. How many times has Matt Carpenter been hit by a pitch? <laughs> wow. I told you these are stupid and unknowable. Oh, um, no. Tara, how many times <laughs> has Matt Carpenter been hit by a pitch as a Cardinal? As a Cardinal. Wow. All right. Um, hmm. I'm going to say. Gosh, I, this is the weirdest thing trying to think of like what's <laughs> yeah. normal for yeah, these things. That, you now? try to calculate um, it all. Yeah. <laughs> try to, to logic things that shouldn't be. Um, all right. I'm going to say 148. 148. All right. Yeah. Ben. Okay. Um, man. I like don't even have a good. I, I'm glad that you put some content. Like the 148 gives me at least something to think about. Um, oh my goodness! Uh, I'm gonna try to undercut Tara, and I'm gonna say I'm just gonna go with an even hundred hundred dollar bill. Once again, you're both over. So uh, it was 65. <laughs> what really? <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not as many as I. Uh, would have imagined as a record. Hmm. All right. Well, Good it's, for him, eight, it's eighth all time. Um, yeah, eighth all time. That's very yeah. true. Okay, you did say I, that. I think. Sure, sure. I'll find who's leading all time. Interesting. Okay. Um, but it's it wasn't too much more than that, though. Um, huh. I'll find it while while you guys are thinking mm. about it. All right. Uh, Ben. Yes. Tony LaRusso, yeah, is is the winningest pitcher or pitcher, winningest manager uh-huh. of all time for the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. But how many times did he lose? Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, I ugh. 8 851. <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> just 8 851 losses. All right, yeah. terrible. <laughs> 
Uh, once again, not mad that you uh, gave me a number to work off of there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say... Eight hundred and seventeen. So it was eight fifty one from Ben and eight seventeen from Tara. Okay. Yeah. The amount is one thousand one hundred and eighty two. Oh, wow. Let's so go. Ben, there you go. There you go. <laughs> only off by a few hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Give him either more credit or ignored a few of those years. Yeah. <laughs> One of those. Yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, he was, was it 14 years, something? Yeah, anyways. Yeah. Well, he had four, 1,406, sorry, eight wins. Mm. Okay. I, wait, I totally knew that. what was the, that. the losses? 1,182. 100, okay. right. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, this is, the, this is the last one. All right. Cardinals have been around for quite a while. How many wins do the St. Louis Cardinals have? Jeez. Uh, this is counting just when they were called the St. Louis Cardinals, not the Perfectos or any of the other um, you know, names that they were. So Who's up? Right. Okay. <laughs> Good luck. Well. I want to point out that there are never any winners on this show or in this game. Uh, <laughs> it's just a race to the bottom. Uh, I mean, we just established in 14, however many years Tony LaRusso was there, uh, well, 1,400 wins. That's a very small fraction of the yeah. St. Louis Cardinals franchise history. Um, I will say... Uh, nine <laughs> I don't know nine thousand eight hundred and twelve wins all right nice okay that nine thousand nine thousand eight hundred and twelve <laughs> okay I had I had ten thousand in my head before Tara has said anything right. so I don't oh gosh but I want to <laughs> win <laughs> so I'm gonna go I don't want to say 10,000 because then I'm kind of undercutting myself. Um, I'm going to go 500. <laughs> 500 wins. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say she went over. Yeah. <laughs> Tara, it is remarkable how close you were to this and you were underneath. So uh, Damn it. you guessed 9,812. The actual amount is 9,000. 918. Oh my so god. So you were a hundred and six games uh <laughs> off of the total. All right. That's yeah. the 2004 season. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I'll just pretend like I knew that. Totally. Yeah, knew of course. Um so uh fine, that's gonna do it. Uh final score. We have uh three, none of you got. Three for Ben and two for Tara. So uh, good game, ben, good game. Ben tied with um, just no one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, thank you both for playing, um, Tara. Thank you for being here. Um, if people want to hear more or see more of your work, what's the best way for someone to uh, to follow you? 
There has been significantly less of it lately, but still probably on uh, Twitter. It, my Twitter name is still at Tara Wellman. Has not changed over since the whole getting yeah. married thing. Um, <laughs> but then also, yeah, you mentioned the podcast with Shopta. We do that every Sunday. And hopefully at some point, the podcast with Alex for Birds on the Black will be coming back. But we have to kind of link up our schedules again at some point. Yeah, scheduling a weekly podcast is is super difficult. So thank you for your <laughs> yeah. flexibility in meeting with yeah, us I to record it. this. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, I think that'll do it. So yeah, Tara, thanks again. Thanks so much for having me. And before we move into the back part of the episode, we want to remind everybody that this show is supported on Patreon. If you enjoy the show, want to support it, want to see it grow, we'd really appreciate you taking a look at patreon.com slash talking about birds. Any subscriber at any level gets access to our private discord. We call it the bird scored. We've been having a great time in there. People posting pictures, going to the games, just having really good discussions with other Cardinal fans that, um, you know, we might be having on like Twitter and things like that. But if you kind of want to get away from Twitter, but still interact with some Cardinal fans, it's a great place to be. So why would anyone want to get away from Twitter? Nate? <laughs> I, There's so many you know, great I, follows. I take that back. You're right. <laughs> um, so if you want to add another obsession to your uh, to staring at your phone, consider uh, joining our the bird Court. We're having a good time in there. And uh uh, if you can't join that or, or, you know, don't want to, that's cool, but consider leaving us a, a review on your favorite podcast platform. That also really helps us. Uh, Ben, why don't you tell people where they can find us online? Twitter is good, Nate. Okay. I know you're trying to bash on it, but it's good and we like it. Uh, I you like can follow Twitter. us on Twitter at <laughs> talk about birds. You can follow us on Instagram at talking about birds. Uh, and of course, you can always email us at talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. In this week, I would like to encourage you to come after Nate aggressively for thinking that I could not do um, the watermelon gush. The uh, I, th I think somebody coined me the watermelon crusher or the melon crusher. Um, so come at real Nate with all name. that you've got. <laughs> I'll take it. That's a badge of honor that I will wear, will wear proudly. So be mean to him. Um, I would say be hyper aggressive, but, you know, don't pull your punches on this and, and come right after him. And again, that's talk about birds at gmail.com. I'm not afraid of anything. And I think that, uh, the melon game has been filed to be, has been played under protest. So we'll see wow. what the judges that's, rule. That's, that's horseshit right there. Is all I can <laughs> say on that. <laughs> <laughs> um well i guess we'll just have to do it again and we'll see um anyway so i will the, crush uh, a thousand melons <laughs> i believe you um <laughs> but i, I lose think my job <laughs> yeah it's yeah we haven't seen ben in a couple of weeks ever since the seeds. melon con the melon controversy <laughs> we took it too far we drove him to madness <laughs> He's built a little hut in the woods out of watermelon rinds. Got the word that time. Uh, hey, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got to uh, we got to allow the audience to peek behind the curtain a little bit here. And uh, we did something a little out of the ordinary. Uh, we recorded the first part of this episode on Tuesday. Um, you know, we were really excited and grateful to Tara for her giving us her time. Uh, and her, and her, you know, her energy 
And from a scheduling standpoint, it worked out best on a Tuesday. We also really wanted to respect her time. She went even further than we had really initially scheduled. So uh, we let her get off the hook and and go. But we still had a few things that we want to talk about. And now we are recording this part on Wednesday night. And uh, it's pretty funny the the things that have happened in the last wow. 24 hours since we recorded. Uh, the first part of this episode was all like, wow what a turnaround isn't isn't this great and then uh here we are after being uh maybe the biggest beating the cardinals have had in a long time and the uh you know the the central ace of the staff this year (laughs) you got to get those out of the way and if they're going to come against the rockies if they're going to happen in coors field i mean they're going to happen in coors field is really really what it is um but i was i will say uh so of course i live in denver the cardinals are in uh, Denver. And w- anytime that this happens, I go to all three games. I'm, I'm taking a half day tomorrow to go to the day game. I, I, you know, I take advantage of the, the three or four games that the Cardinals come out here for. So again, of course I was out there. I, uh, I get, had a small group of friends go there with me. We have these, you know, great seats. We're in the, in the, uh, uh kind of upper deck behind home plate front row. Everyone's got their beers and everything like that. And oh my God, I mean, really it was, it was such a weird way to get what was it? 16 runs put up on you because obviously miles was getting hit around a little bit. Um, but so much weak contact and Nolan, it like people around us were like, is Nolan nervous? Is he nervous to be back? What is going on? Because <laughs> yeah, it, he just made, I mean, was it four Nolan plays that he normally makes in his sleep? And it was, right. it was diving to his left. It was coming in on a ball. It was a bad throw. It was, I'd never seen anything like that before. I think he only got charged with one air. I'm checking the, yeah, he only got charged with one air. But if you could give a position player an ERA, like Nolan might have had nine or 10 runs last night. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was, a it, rough was a, it was a strange game. And, and I, yeah, I don't want to overreact. You know, I'm mostly just laughing about the insanity of the game. Uh, I don't know if you happen to watch the post game interview with Miles Michaelis, who is, really leaning into some sort of weird bit at this point he he had his cowboy hat on his shirt like unbuttoned and he he said sometimes you just gotta roll with the tumbleweeds and get back up on that pony and he's becoming a a a weird caricature but um i'm here for it i i (laughs) um but anyway he's he's like a hippie cowboy is that what it is i i don't know what the character is it's very strange um but I, i i'm I'm here for it. And uh, he was he was pretty funny about it because, you know, first of all, he's yeah. like, you know, this happens. Everyone kept asking him, like, are, are you going to recover from this? And he's like, dude, I already forgot about it. Like, let's move on, you yeah. know. And uh, but he was pretty funny because he said um, he was acknowledging the fact that it was mostly weak contact. And he's like, well, you know, I went in with the plan to only give up soft contact, only give up singles. And basically the ball was either in the stands or it was a weak contact. Now, of course, I gave yeah. up 12 singles. So maybe just trying to give up only singles wasn't a great game plan. But, uh, you know, this happens. And so it ultimately, like, it is what it is. Uh, they We haven't really seen a game like this from the Cardinals this year. And no, it, there's always a few, right? So um, it happens. Now, and- if it keeps happening, <laughs> that'll be... <laughs> 
Well, tonight, tonight we got Quintana going against Freeland. I think this, hopefully everything kind of settles back down and I'd really like to watch a nice, strong Quintana start. And, you know, yeah. uh, I, it, it is weird because I, I will be going tonight wearing Rockies gear and Cardinals gear. I am, I am obviously a Cardinals fan first, but I, I root for the Rockies all year, except for these two series that happen. And I, I have a soft spot for Freeland. So I, I do hope he's a Denver guy. Uh, I do hope that we have a nice crisp game. Maybe both starters go six, seven or something like yeah. that. And then maybe the, uh, the Cardinals pounce on the, the bullpen, but, uh, there was some good notes. I, I think like, uh, although Gorman's ball didn't go out, the, the fact that he hit a ball a hundred miles an hour and almost 400 feet, the opposite way was really good. Um, and I, I don't want to pick on anybody, but it was the game that officially sent TJ McFarlane to uh, <laughs> not being on the team anymore. So, did, were you I, paying attention I, I, to the nearly 500 foot home run? Oh my! Was, so, uh, so there was some. So, I, I, I'll fully admit what happened at that point. We were the game was over. We're, I'm obviously watching the game. Mary's a big CJ Crone fan. We thought CJ Crone was up and we were having a couple of beers and carrying on. And I actually went and got some dipping dots at this point in the night, um, <laughs> which I'm not a fan of, but I was kind of convinced to go get it. Um, anyways, come back. I'm like, Oh great. We're going to watch CJ hit a bomb off of uh, TJ McFarland. Somehow got our guys confused. Anyways, I look up and I see a ball that I have only I, I've I've gone to probably 50 plus games at Coors Field. The only time I've ever seen a ball hit to where uh, Rymack hit that ball was in the home run derby. It, I, I mean, yeah. it was it was incredible. It, I mean, it was fun because, yeah. you know, everything was already done at this point. Um, yeah. But wow. I mean, when you're throwing 84 mile an hour sinkers down the middle, <laughs> I, you know, I guess that's home run derby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's when your glove first third baseman is going to hit a 500 foot bomb. <laughs> well, you also got to see the, the tribute to pool holes and Yachty, which is nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And no, like, you know, I, I thought it was like muted. Uh, the response was pretty good in the, in the stands, I would say. Um, and what was funny, you know, they did the, they paid, played like a nice video package for both players, which was sweet. And the players came out and got a little round of applause. And then the uh, Dick Monfort was out there and he got a nice hissing and boo, which made me happy because <laughs> I hate Dick Monfort, uh, yeah. the owner of the Rockies. And then uh, so they presented them with the out of town uh, STL uh, scoreboard sign. And then it had like a list of their achievements in that ballpark, which I thought was cool. Um, and then they gave them <laughs> they gave. Uh, Albert Pujols, who's worth like $300 million and Yadier Molina, who's worth like $150 million. Uh, both two night stays at the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs, <laughs> which is a very, very nice hotel. It is. It's this very fancy schmancy, um, like country club hotel golf course thing that you and I would be elated. Um, yeah. but I, I kind of was like, these guys could buy the Broadmoor, but you know, I guess it's a nice, <laughs> it's a gesture. It's a I nice suppose. gesture. They'll probably give it away for some charity auction too. You know, they'll, yeah, they'll do like, something I don't, good with it. I, I'm I don't sure. want to go to Colorado Springs. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they, maybe they'll, I mean, the beautiful golf courses. I, uh, yeah. I tricked my wow. way in there one time. Yeah. Yeah. Wearing a top yeah, hat it, and, it, and carrying a, uh, <laughs> a cane. No, I was wearing tennis shoes in one of the <laughs> nicest restaurants I've ever been in. And I, it was bad. It was a bad situation. <laughs> I ordered like a, it was like a, a 
some type of old old school pork dish with a mint I'll jelly have and a ham. <laughs> uh, it was like the bathroom led into the uh, uh, the area where the polo players would change into their jerseys. It was like that type of place. Uh, I did not feel at home at the Broadmoor. You forgot your polo jersey at home. Yeah, my horse. <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I'm glad you got to go to the games. I'm sad not to be there. I don't do it every year, yep. but more often than not, over the basically since Ben has moved to Denver, I, I try to go out for the series, and um, I've done it four times, I think. But this year, yeah, I'm going to Denver in a month for something else. Ben's wedding which is stopping me from going to these baseball games so (laughs) so sorry yeah oh well um so yeah hopefully tonight's game is better but uh uh, you mentioned it already we just have a few cardinal notes that have happened again in the last 24 hours that we wanted to touch on um a couple league things and then we'll wrap it up um tj mcfarland uh you know probably two months too late but it's not like there was anyone knocking down the door to take his spot anyway but uh he has been dfa'd and jake woodford is uh is back with the team yeah it has to be a a net gain right yeah i I think it's definitely a net gain we talked about this with kyle reese almost a month ago now about how it was kind of strange the circumstances in which Woodford was sent down. They they told him to work on his the plane of a slider. So I guess we're I don't I don't know if this is a thing where they were feeling good about Jake Woodford's slider or if TJ McFarland just McFell I, off the roster so nice. hard that that was good, right? Um McLand far from the roster. <laughs> Uh, so I, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, will Woodford, what is, I, I assume Woodford's just going to be in the bullpen, right? Uh, I, I can't imagine he's going to be taking any starts or anything like that. Maybe I mean, stretched I could out see a little bit. Maybe he's getting the fifth starter spot. They, there's a, the off days are lining up where they don't need a fifth starter too much right now. Um, and, uh, you know, we might be getting Flaherty back relatively soon, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, but like, yeah. Uh, not that I'm counting on that, but, um, you know, you could see maybe him getting a spot start or, or being the, uh, you know, uh, second man out of the bullpen for a, for a swing start splitting with Palante or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, cause I, it seemed like the, it'd be weird to me for them to send him down have him working on like a starter's repertoire, then have him come up and do single inning or even just like two inning, um, uh, game. So I don't know. We'll see, but it still has to be better than McFarland. And of course we laugh. We wish him the best of luck. Hopefully he can, you know, whatever skills he had that got him to the majors in the first place, he can refine and, and, uh, you know, figure it out and, and get back at some point. Um, I don't know if you saw Kramer Robertson back with the Cardinals. <laughs> He's down on the triple A team. Victim so you never, That's right. <laughs> you never know. And he hit a bomb in his first game back. So yeah. you never know. Uh, <laughs> Did a little tour of the NL East and then came right back and home. Came but, uh, right back, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, excited to see Woodford back and uh, excited to not have TJ McFarland back on the mound for at least for now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so you know I, I don't think we need to dive into this too much, but yeah, it's so strange. Like it kind of seemed like a magic trick when he was being successful, and uh, it definitely looks like the stuff is a tick back this year. That I, I kind of made fun of his fastball or the sinker speed. 
but uh, I hope he does figure it out. I don't know. It's he's a, a kind of a weird pitcher that especially in the Cardinals bullpen, like really stuck out for his fastball velocity and everything. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, yeah. I, I hope the best for him, but it, it's obviously a win to have uh, Woodford uh, with the big league club over him. Um, yeah. I, I guess to kind of move on uh, the other kind of, I, we'll talk about Flaherty. Uh, Flaherty has been throwing in the minors. Um, our, our good dear friend, Derek Gould told us this morning uh, that tonight he is going to have a triple A start um, and they expect him to go. He had 30 innings last appearance and they expect to uh, typically they add 15 or 20 on top of that each time. So we're ex- looking for somewhere around the 40 or 50 range. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I that's obviously good news. It's better than him not pitching. But as we've said all year, I'm not my eggs aren't all gathering in my Jack Flaherty basket right now. Ben does have behind him like a bunch of baskets with uh, <laughs> different baseball player names on them. And he, he moves his eggs around mm-hmm. and I can see. Yeah, it's true. His Jack Clarity basket. And you said that project was a waste of time. <laughs> it is a helpful visual aid. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is at this point. Uh, I got all hyped up for his return last time. And, uh, you know, here we are. So I'm I'm keeping my expectations tempered. Uh, but I will say what I said last time that it sure would be nice to have a uh, Jack Flaherty yeah. back at the top of your rotation because even with uh, the additions of Montgomery and Quintana, um, you know uh, the the playoff narrative might be a little overblown. But like when you think about the one, two, three punch that the Cardinals would be bringing to the playoff picture of I guess Wainwright, Michaelis. And whoever of Quintana and Montgomery are is pitching the best, um, you know, not doesn't strike fear in the hearts of many teams. And you're really banking off of, um, you know, the an excellent above average performance from each of those guys every single time for a deep run into yeah. the playoffs. Whereas, you know, you, what the Mets are doing or the Dodgers or any of the right. other, you know, NL teams. Well, Flaherty is just the only guy really in the organization that realistically has number one starter potential right now. Uh, Yeah. And man, oh, man, how great would it be if he got up to the bigs and got a few starts in him before we start hitting the playoffs? That would I I don't I think the Cardinals, you know, depending on how his timeline is, I think that they would throw him right out right into the fire uh, if if that is how it works. And they believe he's healthy because I think Jack is that kind of player. where you, you know, well, was I'm, it I'm thinking was sorry. it last year, though, where they made the choice of Wayno over Flaherty? And although it, it might have been the series against the Padres in, in 2020, yeah, um, where they very clearly made a choice of not to go to Flaherty and said chose Wayno. And, you know, it's a single game, well, so whatever. But like Wayno got blown up and it. Yeah, like the, the, the narrative yeah. around that was home and away and Jack's numbers home and Wayno's numbers away yeah. and all that, which there I, it would be hard for me to really under like believe that that's what the decision was made or how the decision was made. I, I think that Mo Zalak is doesn't consider those kind of silly numbers that I also don't really consider unless it's like park adjusted, um, which right. obviously the St. Louis is a good place to pitch. Um, but so is San Diego in that situation. Uh, anyways, yeah. yeah. I, I would hope that that would be the move if he can prove that he is healthy. Um, and also, if that happens, you'd have to assume that they'd be piggybacking him in some way just to, as a as a parachute. Yeah. But 
But Jack Flaherty healthy, I'm going to say this right now. That's good. <laughs> wow. Wow. And that's like the kind it. of hot take people come <laughs> like, and let me just pile it on. In my yeah. personal opinion, yeah, Jack Flaherty being really good and pitching mm-hmm. for the Cardinals again yeah. would be good. Wow. Well, yeah. you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> come be a patron. You'll get even more. You'll get even more. Yeah. Um, who else? Uh, Juan Yepes is yeah. rehabbing, which is nice. Yes, I think uh, the the lefties have come alive. We talked about this earlier with Taro. The we you know Dickerson. By the way, I saw a Corey Dickerson Cardinals jersey at the game last night, and I almost <laughs> fell out of my seat. I couldn't. I had to check it three times, but no, it was his number and everything. In, so in Denver, in Denver, a, a Corey Dickerson Cardinal jersey. So I, you know, he came up with the Rockies. Is maybe, it a bit? Maybe uh, I, I yeah. don't know. Uh, but maybe it was some Corey Dickerson super fan or, you know, maybe he it's like his brother something. Yeah. But I, 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 like I said, I almost fell out of my seat when I saw that. I could not believe that it's mid mid hot dog bite and Corey <laughs> Dickerson walks past me. It, it's uh, me, Jeff Dickerson. <laughs> it's my brother. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I didn't know you had all that Corey Dickerson knowledge just waiting. <laughs> um, Anyways, uh, the lefties are coming alive. New Bar looked good last night. That was fun. He had a couple of good catches, hits, throws, all that good stuff. He's looking good on the bases, too. Um, New Bar just looking Pez- good in general. He, I, he is. I'm on the Newt trade. Newt, Newt, baby. Hell, I, th- there was a good Newt chant going on last night. at the car- Even yeah. when he came out just for warm-ups, you heard the Newt uh, going. People love him. It's it fun is. to do. Yeah. Um, it's fun to do. Uh, you know, Without sounding like an idiot again, uh, Juan Yepes kind of getting back and getting healthy is is obviously good for the team. It's and I good. think, yeah, he, you know, I don't know exactly where he slots into the Cardinals right now. Um, obviously, a bench bat, potentially a DH. Um, really happy with what I'm seeing from Gorman at the DH position right now, too, though. Um, but obviously, you know, having to figure out how to put Brendan Donovan and Juan Yepes in the lineup on any given day is a great problem to have. And I think that. I feel very confident at this point in the season saying that the Cardinals actually do have a good bench and a bench that you can have those players come in and you're not losing that much and flexibility and blah, 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 all that good stuff that, that you yeah. want out of your bench players. Yeah. Um, it probably keeps Burleson back in the minors for a little while until one of these guys stops, um, you know, hitting or playing well, um, which I guess is Okay. You know, it's a good problem to have our our really good hitting prospect can't be called up because all of our other prospects are hitting too well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, good problem to have. Hopefully his recovery continues very well and we get him back. I mean, you know, there was a little while April, May ish when he was really a major part of this offense. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I think that's everything that has happened in between the last, in the last 24 hours, any other yeah. Cardinal news that you wanted to touch on? No, that's all I got over here. Okay. Um, well, we have just a few broader league things to talk about. Um, I'm going to start with, uh, my favorite story. I, I know, I think our, I think our favorite story of the season is still Tommy Pham's slap. And <laughs> that, <laughs> will forever be one of my favorite stories. That'll, yeah, that'll never not be my favorite baseball story. 
but this one's pretty good and it's it's different but it's for whatever reason it's just really making me laugh uh Luis Rendolfo while sliding on the field his iPhone fell out of his pocket right on the field and yeah. I don't know why that makes me laugh so much, but it <laughs> well, really does. <laughs> it is relatable. You, you, a noted cell phone dropper. Wow. One time. <laughs> should have got Lexi out there to pick it up for him. Yeah, you should have. Uh, um, just like you're not supposed to have a phone in the first place in no. the dugout. Uh, so like, he's just like really engaged in, uh, Twitter or whatever. It's his time to bat. So he just slips it in his pocket. I don't know. I just thought it was so funny and not something that you see very often, uh, for someone to have an iPhone fall out of their pocket on the field. I so want to know, I'm trying to think of which veteran in the pirates clubhouse would even come after him, but I so want to know what conversation was had. Like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Get off your phone, nerd. Get off your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he's probably going to be fined for it, too. There there are yeah. rules against that. So, I don't know. Yeah, there, me I laugh. mean, there's how many controversies are there around having internet-connected devices on the field? Yeah. 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 Although, uh, you know, who cares? Pirates, Diamondbacks. But, yeah. Yeah. It's good TV right there. Yep. So we'll continue to to monitor this breaking story. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you can get updates on it once a week on Thursdays. Uh, the other thing, um, uh, Tigers GM, uh, yeah. Alavila, fired. Fired. Yeah. It kind of strange. I kind of always viewed him as a bit of a company guy there. Um, yeah. Almost like Mosaic. Obviously, doesn't have the tenure of Mosaic because Mo's been there for almost 30 years or not, not that long, but what, 96 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Really long time. And Al, I thought kind of was the same thing. And I th- think that he's done fine work with the tigers. Um, now I am, I don't watch tigers games at all because of my God, they're bad. Um, but I would say without looking into it, I like a lot of their pitching. They have good young pitching. Um, a couple of their, like Mize hasn't really worked out just yet. Torgelson hasn't really worked out just yet, but they're both what 22, 23 years old, um, super prospects. I, I, I would say I'm a little surprised by this just because it seems like the plan is coming together. I don't know. Is it the Javi Baez that gets you fired? Is it, is it just not it, taking the step forward when you're supposed to? I don't, I don't fully understand yeah. it. It doesn't, the, I, I have to imagine while the Javi Baez contract is not the single factor in a decision like this. I do feel like it has to be a part of it. Um, you know, emblematic of some bad decision-making because I think like, I don't know about you, but at least I felt like during that off season with all the shortstops, it was like, I would not even, there was no price that I thought would be a good price for Javier Baez. He just has the, uh, tool set the 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 plate approach that has never aged well and so like maybe a one-year deal and not like they gave him a crazy long deal but any like i just felt like no matter what you were paying Javier baez was going to be a bad deal and that's playing out now it's not all on javi of course but like i think this was supposed to be the year they had a good little run at the end of last season 
And this was supposed to be the year that like we see that step forward. No one was expecting them to win the division or anything like that, but at least play good baseball and see the future of the team together. And yeah, like nothing is working for that team right now. Like nothing at all. I'm, I'm looking at their baseball reference page right now. They have one player who has... And he he still has under 300 at bats that has an OPS plus above 100. Yeah, um, there's nothing there is, working on that team. Just nothing, absolutely. And yeah, uh, yeah I it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, Riley Green is going to be good. Spencer Torkelson is going to be good. Javi Baez, I think you pretty much nailed that. Um, they do have the albatross of Miguel Cabrera, who has been really bad this year again. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it does make sense now that we're kind of talking through this, but I will still say I really like Tarek Skubal. Um, Gregory Soto is a very good player. Matt Manning is a very good player. Um, they just sold Matthew Boyd, who is a decent arm. Um, they have arms there and they have talent. Well, I guess we'll see what happens, but at least yeah. for somebody else to do. I don't know. I think they look around and it's like, who can we fire? And it's like, well, not, I guess not the, the manager, like, and it's more of a team makeup thing. So I guess it was finally like they needed to make a move and uh, and he's out. Yeah. So I uh, just yeah, I guess it's not that unlikely or, or surprising when a GM is fired, um, but it doesn't really happen as much anymore. It seems like I think I like well, especially lo- midseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we've had managers fired midseason this year. We've now GMs fired midseason. Um, people are just dropping. Yeah. Um, well, I think that was really all from a league new. We had the phone uh, drop. Yeah. Oh, you got, got another quick, one. Just a quick couple. Of, uh, I, I want to make fun of Red Sox fans. Uh, Chris Dale is out for of the course. year. He fell off his bike and broke his wrist. Um, Man. that dude, <laughs> I think I saw since he signed that massive extension, I think he's pitched 48 innings over yeah. three years and like hundreds of millions of dollars. So he just keeps breaking shit. Well, broken rib, that, broken pinky, broken wrist. That's one of the breaking the wrist. Like while you're riding your bike, like that doesn't happen to any, that doesn't happen to children who are just learning to ride their bike. What are you doing? How, how is this possible? I think he's got, uh, baby bones, you know, he's got <laughs> yeah. like, I don't, he, you know, I'm sure he could absolutely wipe the floor with me, but he looks like a guy that I could crack over my knee. He's just so, so skinny. You know what I was thinking is, yeah, I had, a, I had such an opposite thought. So I watched that video of um, uh, like a month ago and he trashed that. Uh, yeah, yeah. That clubhouse. And I was watching that and he's a little younger than than us, but not much like a year or two or so. So pretty much like our our age range and watching a like multi, he, you know, this dude has hundreds of millions of dollars. At one point, he was the best pitcher in the league or, or yeah. right around there and he's just full of rage trashing a room and i was like i think him and i are basically opposite like trajectories of people <laughs> being born around this like there is like yeah. no part of my existence that would ever result in me trashing a clubhouse yeah like i wouldn't even be in a clubhouse let alone have the, <laughs> yeah. have the desire or capacity to trash it. I'd probably break my wrist trying to pull one of the lockers off the wall or whatever that he was doing. Um, I, I don't know where I'm going with this story, but like, I just remember watching that video feeling like this is such 
the opposite of me. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a fiery competitor in your own way, but you're mostly, it's mostly about uh, lying, cheating, stealing, you know, that kind of thing, undermining, uh, subterfuge, so on and so forth. Yeah, like a bin in a watermelon contest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, that's yeah. all I got for League News. I just wanted to make one of Chris Sale. All right. Well, we already did our game before. Um, so thank you again to Tara and 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 uh, her time and joining us on the show is awesome. Um, check out all of her work. It's great. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back as always next week with another episode. Ben, have a good time at the game tonight. I'm and catching another tomorrow. fly ball tonight. I'm calling it right now. Yeah. Let's go. Where, where are your seats? We are right behind. We are uh, two or sorry, uh, ten rows behind the Cardinals dugout uh, on okay. on the home plate side, or like closer to home plate than than further away from it. Okay, uh, so look out Tight. for me. I'm wearing a, a national shirt. Yeah. yeah, I guess this this is coming out after this game's already over. But <laughs> look out for me, everyone. <laughs> uh, if you saw like a job of the hut looking figure out in the, uh, uh, then you might have seen Ben. Um, all right. Thanks, pal. <laughs> all right. Well, again, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week. And until then, go cards. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.